You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. So I've said this often, you know, we, we don't have strangers as guests to come speak to us around here. We have friends. Um, and so this, this morning, this weekend is definitely one of those weekends where we have invited dear friends of ours to come and minister to our, to our church family. Uh, this morning, I get to introduce to you uh, Tom Jacobs and his wife, Lori, are here uh, from Kansas, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Um, we're so thankful for them being willing to come. Tom was a, a strategic voice in my life. Uh, when I was just starting out in ministry, really, he, he became uh, time and time again a voice, uh, mentoring, a v- wise voice in my life. And so I'm forever grateful for his friendship and his mentorship and wisdom in my life. And... Um, the Lord has used him in many ways across the Midwest and across the nation to be a pastor to pastors, to be a leader of two leaders. And that's definitely what he was in my life. So I've been expecting for him to come and minister to us. There's going to be a wealth of just uh, uh, the knowledge of, of the Lord and the Lord's purposes through the church that I believe we're, we're going to receive this morning. So as we do at LifePoint Church, would you stand to your feet and welcome our guest, our friend, uh, Pastor Tom Jacobs. Oh my goodness, Uh, what a joy it has been to uh, hang out with your pastor and his family. We we had, uh, the biblical way to say it is we supped together last night, had a wonderful meal, and uh, did you smoke that? It was, it was, it was so good, it was so good, it was I don't know how to smoke meat. Um, I, I have no idea, but uh, I'm, I think I might learn. Um, and you guys know, you, you know. And by the way, it, it is so good to see so many familiar faces and, and just to be able to greet some folks. Um, feels like we're home. Uh, Iowa still feels like home. We've been in Kansas for uh, a couple of years now. In Pittsburgh, Kansas, not Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, Kansas, uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas does not have an H in Pittsburgh. In fact, we have a pizza place. It's called Drop the H. Um, we're, we're, we're kind of proud that, that we, don't, we, don't, we don't extravagantly use extra letters that are not necessary. <laughs> kind of take that as a, a point of pride. We are the home of the gorillas. Uh, Pittsburgh State is the, the gorillas. Everywhere you go in Pittsburgh, there's a concrete gorilla. Uh, in fact, in our church parking lot, we have a gorilla. I don't want to exaggerate, but Lori, you can confirm this. It's probably about this tall. I would guess that it weighs, I don't know, a ton, probably. It's a, a concrete gorilla in our parking lot at the church. So we're, we have become gorillas. <laughs> but you guys know the quality of the leadership that you have in your church and uh, man, we just esteem Pastor Drew and Tanya uh, and your leadership team. Of course, uh, we know Tony and Kayla and just esteem them so highly. And the integrity of your leadership is off the charts. And you guys are, are a blessed, blessed church. And it's, it's so fun uh, to reconnect and uh, to enjoy uh, fellowship with them. 
Lori and I uh, are pastoring now. We had not been pastoring for the last 12 years before uh, this. We were not part of a local church. And I just have to tell you, uh, it is so much fun to be part of a local church. It's fun to uh, uh, be on the, on the front lines, you know, uh, uh, in our previous role, we, we didn't get to do this very often where you, you fellowship with people on a continuing basis. One of the things that I love about LifePoint is that you genuinely are living your faith out together in community. And that, that is, there's no other way to serve Christ than as part of his body. Um, sometimes I, if there's anything that ever upsets me, it's when people uh, attack the church. And I, I realize the church is not perfect, but I also realize that Jesus loves the church. We're his, and he loves the church, and, and this is the place that he has decided to grow his kids. So uh, kudos to you for the fellowship that you share, the health in your church, uh, your leadership. We're just blessed, blessed to be even associated with you. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3. As uh, Pastor and I were talking about uh, what we wanted to have happen this morning, uh, he had mentioned talking about authenticity. And I want to I kind of address that this morning from, uh, from the Scripture. So we're in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. If you have your Bible with you, if you have your device with you, or if you have memorized it. Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you must do also. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ, to which you were indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Heavenly Father, I pray that your word would be powerful in our lives this morning. God, we've experienced your presence in worship. We've experienced your presence as we've been led in, in prayer these are powerful moments. And now, God, I pray that your same Holy Spirit would empower your word into our hearts and lives. Lord, we don't come this morning trying to shine the light of our intellect on your word, but we ask that your word would shine on our intellect and on our hearts, God, so that we'd be transformed and made more like Jesus. That's, that's our desire this morning. We ask it in his precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, when, when we come to Jesus, we discover this kingdom that is not like the kingdoms of this world. That's, it, it's just part of, of what we learn. In fact, when we first come to Jesus, it feels like we've kind of stepped into this upside-down kingdom. Have you experienced that? It's just not the way the world works. We live in a different kind of a kingdom. We, for example... Jesus promises abundant life in his kingdom. John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have, that they would have life and have it abundantly. 
So this kingdom promises abundant life. But, but the scripture never encourages us to pursue abundant life. It encourages us to seek God's kingdom. It's a different kind of a kingdom. So, so we seek God's kingdom and we receive abundant life. It's the same thing with joy. Jesus promises us joy. John chapter 15, verse 11. These things I've spoken to you. This is Jesus speaking. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So the kingdom, one of the kingdom promises is joy. But we're never encouraged to seek joy. We're encouraged to seek faithfulness. Matthew 25 and verse 21, Jesus is telling this parable and, and he says, this is kind of the, the punchline of the parable, but he says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You remember those words? You were, watch this, you were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. So the kingdom promises joy, but it doesn't encourage us to seek joy. It encourages us to seek faithfulness. When we pursue faithfulness, the result will be joy. It's just such a different kingdom. It's that way with, with power and authority. We're promised power and authority as, as believers. Acts chapter one, verse eight, again, Jesus is speaking. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But we're never instructed to seek power. In fact, the opposite. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11, but the greatest of you shall be your servant. So we seek to serve and we discover power and authority. It's such a different kingdom. And Jesus kind of summarizes all of that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 when he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then what? Then all these other things will be added to you. So it's this upside down kingdom. It's this kingdom first process that God calls us to. The, in that process, we don't, we, don't, <laughs> we don't seek the goal, we seek the goal giver. We don't seek the reward, we seek the rewarder. We don't seek what he produces, but we seek Jesus himself. That's the way this upside down kingdom works. And, and it's interesting because when we enter into this process, there's a, there's a sanctifying work that takes place. It, it, and that, that word sanctifying is kind of a, a theological term, so to speak, but, but it's, it's, a, it's a making holy. The word sanctify means to set apart, which is the same thing that holy means. It means set apart. When we sang that God is holy, what are we saying? We're saying that he's set apart. He's completely unique. He's God. We're not. He's creator. We're creation. He's set apart. And, and that same idea happens in this kingdom. When we enter into this kingdom first process, it has this sanctifying work on us. It changes us and it, it sets us apart. It causes us to be more like Jesus. What do we mean by that? Well, watch this. When, when I seek abundance, remember we said that abundance is promised from Jesus. He said he came to give us abundant life. When I seek abundance, I'm never satisfied. Maybe some of you have taken this trip 
and you thought, when I get a new car, I'll be happier. Anybody? Don't look at me so spiritually. Come on. It, uh, <laughs> or, or it, man, if we, could just, if we could just get a little bigger house, boy, life would be so good. Or if I just made a little bit more money, then I'd be satisfied, right? It, it's that pursuit of abundance. And what we discover in life is, at least what I've discovered is, when I seek those things, I'm never satisfied. I remember years ago, I, I'm, I, I love to ride a bicycle. I mean, a bicycle, not a motorcycle, but a bicycle, one, one that has pedals that move. I, I love bicycles. I remember several years ago, I had saved and scrimped and, and, and put together the money to buy a, a, a nice road bike. I was so excited for it. I had kind of overdone it, really. I thought about it way more than I should have, and I finally got the bicycle that I wanted. And about a week after I got the bike, I went back into the same bike shop I needed to get something, I don't know, a new tube or whatever. I walked in, and the guy behind the counter that sold me the bicycle said, hey, you're the Trek. I said, yeah, 2200. He goes, yeah, old technology. (laughs) You've had that experience, haven't you? You think, ah, the new phone, it is so bright and shiny, and it takes better pictures than my old phone. There's a new phone. And I don't have the new phone. I, I need the new phone. What, what is that? It's pursuing abundance. But there, there's something that happens when I seek God's kingdom, and then I experience abundance, that the abundance doesn't own me anymore. It's, you see, it got sanctified in the process. It's a kingdom-first process. When I seek joy, I never get to experience real joy. Again, if, if you've lived life for very long, you understand what I'm talking about. You, 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 you try to be happier, and what happens? You're not happier. It's this elusive process, but, but when I seek faithfulness, and joy sneaks up and catches me, I have a joy that no one and nothing can take away. Why? It got sanctified. It got set apart. I'm living in a different kingdom. And the same thing is true, and you're probably a step ahead of me already, but the same thing is true. When I seek power and authority, it's always going to be short-lived and shallow, and I'll always be protecting it. If I'm the one that got myself into the power position, then, then once I'm there, I have to protect it. Why? There's a target on my back because somebody else wants that same power and that same position, that same authority. But when I serve, <laughs> when I serve, I encounter this power, the Jesus kind of power that has toppled entire governments without ever firing a shot. It's not something that I'm trying to protect. What am I doing? I'm just just serving. But somehow that, that power, that authority got sanctified in the process. It's an upside down kingdom. I'll tell you what, Jesus messes up everything. 
And the same thing is true with authenticity. In our culture, there's a huge push that I just have to be who I am, right? Have you heard that this week? <laughs> this, is, this is how I identify. I, I identify myself this way. Listen, that, it's totally natural to do that, but it, that's the kingdom of this world. So I, I want to be authentic, we all want to be real. We want to, we want to have integrity. We want to be the same person on the inside as we are on the outside. But if there's not this sanctifying process that comes along with authenticity, we're just real about still being a mess. Again, some of us have probably experienced it. This is just the way I am. Uh, this is just my heredity. This is just, listen, I'm Irish. We're all mad, you know. <laughs> Authentic? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but, and we've all seen, w- when we're not the same on the inside as the outside, we've all seen the damage that that causes. I'm not saying that we pretend We've all seen it. We've seen hypocrisy in the church that can, can just destroy a church. And it's worse at home. You know, it, it does more damage at home if there's not this authenticity, if there's not this reality. But it needs to be a, a sanctified, a sanctified authenticity. So just as joy and abundance and authority should not be pursued and will never be fulfilled if they are pursued, I would submit to you this morning that if we are pursuing authenticity, we'll never get there. We'll never get to that place. If if authenticity is our goal, has anybody ever been on a first date? Right? And you want... My first date with Lori, I just... I had two goals. I wanted to be real, and I wanted to be cool. <laughs> right? And the, the harder I tried to be real, the less real I was. I remember when uh, I decided that I was going to ask for her hand in marriage. So we, her parents took us to this really nice restaurant. And I thought, you know... They need to get to know the real me. They, I need to be exactly, I need to be authentic. And the harder I tried to be authentic, the more uncomfortable everybody at the table was. <laughs> Have you been there? And, oh, man, it, I was supposed to eat fish. I had ordered fish, and I don't know that I even touched it. I may have, like, messed it up a little bit, but I couldn't eat. I couldn't wanted to be real, wanted, wanted to really get at, at real issues. Hey, I love your daughter. I'd like to marry her, if you don't mind, you know. Um, but the harder I tried to be authentic, the less authentic I was because I became more and more self-conscious. And probably you've experienced that too. So If we're not supposed to pursue authenticity, if if authenticity is a good result, but we're not supposed to 
pursue it. If, if we need a sanctified kind of authenticity, how do we get there? I think, I think, as I've prayed about this and thought about it since you and I talked, Pastor, I think that in the upside-down kingdom, the road to authenticity goes through humility. And Jesus is our, our model here. He's the most authentic person who ever lived. He calls us to follow him. And I think as we do, we begin to understand that his focus was humility. If, if there was ever anybody who walked on planet Earth who really had a right not to be humble, it was Jesus. I mean, when you're God, you know, even the Psalms talk about, which one of you is going to tell God that he's wrong? And, and maybe some of us have, have experienced that also. If there was ever anybody on the planet who walked as a human that had, had the right not to be humble, it was Jesus. But watch what he did in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. He's, he's saying, hey, this is how you follow me. He's mentoring his disciples. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is so good. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. and you'll find rest for your souls. So when, when Jesus says, hey, follow me, he doesn't say, hey, follow me and let's all be joyful. He doesn't say, follow me and let's all have authority. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't what he says is, follow me, because watch what I do. Watch how I live. I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. And when you follow me like that, you'll find rest for your souls. So, so if we're, if we're not living authentically, our souls will never find rest. But it's not that kind of unsanctified authenticity. It's the kind of authenticity that we find rest for our souls. It comes through humility. And humility helps us to discover our identity in Christ. In Christ. Today, identity is a, it, it's a big, big, big word. It's an important word. Our, our culture has developed to the place where we understand how important identity is. But you and I, as Christ followers, we find our identity in Christ. Can I say that again? <laughs> we find our identity in Christ. So my identity is not being a Democrat or a Republican. My identity is not in being a liberal or a conservative. My identity is in Christ. And we all share this identity. What, what's the thing that unites us? It's not our socioeconomic status. 
What's the thing that unites us? It's, it's not that we all root for the Chiefs this afternoon. I guess that doesn't unite us all, does it? Uh, what's the thing that unites us? The thing that unites us isn't that we're Americans. That's not what unites the people of God. There's only one thing that unites us. And that is that all of us have this same experience. I was lost and now I'm found. I was a sinner. I could not help myself. Somehow God in his grace has redeemed me. You may, you may have struggled with different sins. You may struggle with different sins than I struggle with today. That doesn't matter. What matters is God has redeemed me. God has redeemed you. And that's what unifies us. And the wonderful thing about the body of Christ is that we can, we can come from different countries and different nations and different eras and different times and different experiences and different political views and different different. You name it. But we're all one in Christ. That's how the world will know that Jesus is still alive. So humility, humility helps us to find our identity in Christ. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. So, if I'm secure in my relationship with Jesus, I don't have to prove myself to anyone else. That security comes through humility. If I'm, if I'm secure in Christ and my identity is in him, I don't have to compete with other people. Lori shared, I, I can't take credit for any of these quotes. Lori shared all of them with me. But Eugene Peterson said when he was talking about humility, he said, humility is a way of living your life in relationship with others without competing. I love that. And that's what humility brings to us. So Jesus really is our model, and humility helps us to walk in authenticity. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul wrote, and he said, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude, verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Death on a cross. So Jesus wasn't grasping at power, even though he had all power at his disposal. He lived authentically. He lived humbly. He wasn't competing to be noticed. Uh, even though he deserved worship, he wasn't competing for people's attention. So, if humility is the track to authenticity, 
then how do I know if I'm walking in humility? And this is, man, I wish I had chosen a different topic. Um, because humility is really a horrible thing to talk about. It's like that guy that got voted the most humble person in the church and they gave him a pin and he wore it the next week and they took it away from him. It's, So let me, let me just say this. I don't have this down, all right? But I have discovered a dashboard. I've discovered the humility dashboard. I'm not that happy with the way that my dashboard reads all the time. But this is the dashboard that I think all of us can use. So meter number one. How do I know that I'm walking in humility? Am I willing to listen? Because humble people listen well. They, they aren't constantly thinking, what am I going to say when they're done talking? Humble people listen well. And it's not just a, 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 a relationship technique. That's not what we're talking about. It's about really caring about what the other person is saying. It's, like, it's about really understanding what the other person is saying. It's about really caring about the other person person. Humble people listen well because they care. So the first meter is how well do I listen? The second meter, the second humility meter, is what's my attitude toward serving? Elizabeth Elliot said, humility and service are the only expression and measure of greatness. Humility and service are the only expression and measure of greatness. How do I feel about serving? Am I willing to serve? Maybe Maybe a better question is, do I notice when I'm serving? Maybe a better question is, do I notice when other people aren't serving? Oswald Chambers says, as Christians, we're not here for our own purpose, We're here for the purpose of God, and the two are not the same. We have this idea. I I, I have this picture when we finally get to heaven, if I make it, finally get to heaven, and I see Jesus. I think we'll see him in all of his glory. Scripture says that we will. But I wonder if in all of his glory he won't be washing someone's feet. I think we get this idea of what greatness is, and it's, again, we live in this upside-down kingdom. And Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. In fact, the servant of all. The night before Jesus was going to the cross, you remember the story. Washed his disciples' feet. Peter, who's the outspoken one, says, No, Lord, you can't wash my feet. You, you should not be serving me. Why? Well, you're too great. And Jesus said, No, I, I need to do this. And Peter said, Then wash all of them. He just, Peter's like, All or nothing. <laughs> but Jesus, so interesting. It would be fun to break all this down. But Jesus said, what I'm doing right now, you don't understand. But you will understand. And the word that he uses there for understanding, it means this experiential 
comprehension. Jesus wasn't saying, you don't, you don't know that I'm washing your feet. What Jesus was saying was, you, don't, you understand I'm washing your feet, but you don't get it. The truth of the matter is, what I'm doing is extremely important because I'm serving. And then he said, if I'm your Lord and teacher, then you should do what I do. So am I walking in humility? Well, am, am I listening? How am I listening? And number two, how do I feel towards serving? And number three, I wanted to stop with number two. Um, number three, what's my response to being overlooked or mistreated? Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha? They were Lazarus' sisters. Jesus came to visit them. Maybe you're familiar with the story in Luke chapter 10. Let me just read the story because it's an awesome story. Now, as they were traveling along, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was also seated at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving by myself? Then Jesus, uh, then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, by the way, if Jesus has to say your name twice, it's serious business. I think he had to because she, I, I think what This is just in my mind. There's no biblical proof for this. But I think what may have happened was, tell her to help me. And she was whisking herself off to go do some more work. And and Jesus said, Martha, now, Martha, you're worried and distracted by so many things, but only one thing's necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall shall not be taken away from her. She chose the good part. And Martha noticed what Mary was doing, and Martha was keeping track. Guilty. <laughs> like I said, I don't, I don't necessarily like all of my responses, all of my marks on the humility meter. But I do know this, that humility is the road to authenticity. Humility is the road to authenticity. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, as the musicians may want to come, we'll wrap up in just a moment. Everybody always breathes a sigh of relief when somebody says the musicians are coming. But First Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted." and keep a humble attitude. You know, all of us, I think all of us want to be authentic. We want to be the same on the inside as we are on the outside. We want to walk with integrity. We, we want people to know us as, as people of integrity. We want to be authentic. And then we see the road to authenticity as being humility and and. I don't know where you're at, but personally, I see humility as impossible. Because I, I know that on the outside I can act humble, but I know what I'm thinking on the inside. It doesn't always match up with 
what's on the outside and I want to be authentic. I want to be, I want to be humble. And maybe you're saying, man, this is impossible. I have good news. You are absolutely correct. <laughs> That's why we need Jesus. He's the one that helps us on this journey. He's the only one that can help us. He's the only one that is the originator of real, genuine, biblical humility. He's, he's the one that knows the path. And the only way that we can walk in real humility is to live in vital relationship with him. We're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight as we talk about authenticity with God and what the path to authenticity with God is. And I think it's a little bit different than, than what it is with human beings. But it's where we all want to live. When it's all said and done and, and our lives are at their end, we want people to say he was real, she was real, And they sought to be good also. That's the authenticity that we're pursuing. It's a sanctified kind of authenticity. And Jesus is the only one that can help us with that. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. I want to pray and then we'll invite pastor to come and lead us in the rest of the service. But... Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. God, all of us are on this journey where we desire authenticity with each other, with you. God, so often we fall short because our identity isn't always found in you. And we just confess again that we need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. Maybe as we're in an attitude of prayer, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now. Maybe there's an area where you know that you're not walking in authenticity. Maybe there's an area that God's speaking to you about really what's kind of been the theme of this morning, that we would give ourselves completely to him. And that is humility. He's creator, we're creation. He's the father, we're his children. He's the model. We're the disciples. Maybe God's speaking to you this morning about that very issue of walking with integrity, being authentic, and walking in humility. Maybe there's an area that, that only you and God know about. Pastor Drew mentioned it earlier. Those, those places that Maybe we've not allowed Jesus to be Lord yet in our lives, where we haven't submitted that area to him. If if God's speaking to you, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and just close your eyes for just a moment. If God's speaking to you about that, about some specific area, as only the Holy Spirit can, 
I may or may not have touched on it, but God's speaking to you by his Holy Spirit. If that's your case, I'm just going to ask you to slip, just lift your hand toward heaven. By that, you're just saying, God, I submit my life to you. I submit this area to you that you're speaking to me about. In the revealing is the healing so often and, and simply raising my hand to heaven, you say, well, that doesn't make any... No, it, there's a recognition. There's, a, there's an offering of myself to God that is lifted up with my hand that, that just says, God, come in. Forgive me. Make me whole. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. Those areas where I'm not real, but where I want to be changed. And I recognize my inability to change. I recognize your ability to change me. So Holy Spirit, come. Come and transform us. Transform us, oh God. We love you so much. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.